Pablo for breakfast. People of the Pilbara. Hello and welcome to People of the Pilbara. Now this podcast series is all about you, the people of our town that make Karratha such a special place to live. And I think there's something really unique about people that come to a place maybe they've never heard of in the middle of a desert, apparently with nothing to do. But as we all know, a lot of us come for a six month to 12 month plan and end up staying a decade, like I did. So this podcast series, we're going to have a chat to everyday people that call Karratha home and find out what they do here, what they love about Karratha and what's next in their journey. Now this week's guest is naturopath Jackie Lampoo. Now we find out about fertility and why it has declined, what you can do if you are looking to start a family, how she got into the industry and how did she end up in Karratha. So without further ado, sit back, grab yourself a cuppa, enjoy my chat with Jackie and her journey to call Karatha home. Jackie, good morning. Oh, good morning, Pablo. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Now, let's talk about how you got to Karatha. How did you end up here? <laughs> That's a, yeah, it's a good story. I never thought I would ever end up uh, in Karatha. That wasn't in the game plan, but <laughs> here I am and loving it. Um, my husband grew up in Karatha. Okay. Um, and left school, worked in mining here and everything. And then in his early 20s, he moved to Perth mm-hmm. um, but kept a FIFO gig, so he was coming back and forth to Karratha all the time. Um, and so I met him and we were both living in Perth. Uh, and um, I remember when we first started dating, I, I did say to him, I said, oh, would you ever move back to Karratha? Because he had a big social network mm-hmm. here and um, although he'd, his family had left Karatha. He still had a lot of mates and, yep. um, you know, a bit of a – Yeah, yep. And he said, oh, no, I'd never, <laughs> never move back to Karatha. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> um, so we fast forward, I guess, a few years and, you know, dating's going well. We get married mm-hmm. um, and we're on our honeymoon in Tahiti. So if you can imagine, overwater bungalow, you know, could you be anywhere more romantic? (laughs) And he says to me, what do you think about moving to Karatha? (laughs) And, oh, um, well, look, here I am. So (laughs) I think he must have just like planned his time. Yeah, put a ring on that finger. Yeah, warmed you up. Yeah, take her to this place, beautiful place. She'll never be able to say no to me. Um, and so, yeah, six months later, we moved to Karratha. So um, had you been here before? Um, I had been here once as a child because okay. my uncle um, worked here and we'd come to visit him on a, a camping trip we went on and I didn't like the place. <laughs> I had a dog attack me. I ate too much ice cream and had a stomachache and we watched Twister oh, in a town that gets cyclones. Yeah. So I was like... A bit terrified. Yeah, absolutely terrified. So first impressions coming back though as an adult, was it a little bit better? Yeah, a little bit better. Okay. I didn't eat so much ice cream. <laughs> I didn't watch Twister. Um, no, I really liked it and um, my husband Scott, he's right into um, fishing and boating mm-hmm. and, um, and he had a lot of friends here so we kind of walked into a friends group Mm -hmm. if that makes sense because that can be some of the hard thing when you move to a new town is trying to find your network and that's you know friendship group Mm -hmm. um so that was nice in the fact it was quite an easy transition and then um yeah and he kind of had me out on weekends going fishing and going on the boat and seeing the islands and and I guess it's quite you fall in love with the place quite quickly 
Yeah, were then, you a naturopath uh, then when you, when you moved to town? Yes. You yep. were? Yeah, yep. So I had been working in Perth mm-hmm. in, a, in a big clinic and then um, when we relocated up here, I... Um, yeah, I just rented a room in, there was, I don't know if you remember Abundance Health. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I used to just um, rent a room right. there with Naomi uh-huh. and um, and just kind of worked out of that clinic, which kind of felt quite normal and natural because I'd, I'd been in that clinic setting anyway. Yeah. So what so what led you to, to naturopath? Um, yeah, I, it's an interesting one. Um, when I left school, because I grew up farming. I grew up on a farm um, and I had planned to go on to be an agronomist. So, you know, an agronomist looks at the crop and tells farmers, you know, what chemicals to spray on their crops to Uh make them grow better and how to kill the weeds. And so I was enrolled to go to uni and, and study agronomy. And just that first year out of uni, I needed a job. Um, and so I just got this job as a receptionist at a naturopath clinic. It just, it just was the job that popped up, you know, yeah. like I applied, I don't even know what a naturopath <laughs> is. And, um, and so during that year off working to earn the money to go to uni, I, I fell in love with like naturopathy and also, you know, um, like health ed, really doesn't set women up for understanding their bodies, understanding their hormones. Mm-hmm. And to there was a naturopath in the clinic who specialised in fertility and women's hormones. And the results that she got with her clients were just amazing. You know, I went from seeing women who were struggling with um, period pain every month and all of a sudden, you know, they tweak their diet, take a couple of supplements, mm. gone. And you just think, far out, you know, we'd always been taught, well, period pain was just part and parcel yeah. of being a woman. And yeah. um, and so, and just, yeah, so that's kind of where, you know, that came came from, I guess, that exposure. And I did do one year of agriculture <laughs> <laughs> and then decided, no, that wasn't it. And um, yeah, switched to, to naturopathy and and. Ever since I started naturopathy, it was always going to be fertility and women's hormones. Mm. Yeah. Well, what a slide into a moment. I mean, you could have gone down the, a completely different career path, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so funny. And because my dad laughs too, you know, now that I'm a naturopath, you know, I'm all against, you know, we want to go organic. We don't <laughs> yeah. want to be eating crops that are sprayed. And then the, the weeds that I was taught in uni that we need to kill, like nettle and cowthrop, are now like herbs that I use <laughs> with my clients to like support their bodies and help them fall pregnant and yeah. and things like that so it was like just a, this massive 180 but it's um yeah it's, it's exciting and it's interesting and I really enjoy it so you you went down and specialized in fertility so if we can touch on that for mm. for a moment obviously uh we've seen the rates of fertility and everything change over the last couple of decades uh, I think it's at an all you know this more than me but I think it's at an all-time low at the moment mm. what do you think are some some of the contributing factors to that or where, where do we go wrong with it where have we gone wrong it's Really, we need to start looking at our environment. It's our food. It's what we're exposing ourselves to every single day. And and it's interesting because we probably see it more in male fertility. So in the last 50 years, male fertility has dropped by about 50%. You know, the wow. average sperm count used to sit in the hundreds of millions, and now it's at 40 million, which is not great when we're talking mm-hmm. natural conception. Um, and... What they're even seeing in the last probably five to ten years is that 
we were seeing this 1% decline in male fertility. Now we're seeing almost a 2% decline. And the link is um, environmental toxins and our diet and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I think really if we can go back to, you know, our grandparents' era, yes, there were people struggling with fertility then but not on the scale now and I think we're very fortunate now that we have a lot of access to be able to support couples who are struggling but the biggest change is we are now exposed to more toxins you know plastics have come into our Mm -hmm. life in a big way um, Mm -hmm. where our our grandparents plastic wasn't a thing Um, they cooked from scratch at home there was no takeouts Mm. there was none of these fake foods you know um, additives, flavour enhancers, colourings, um, artificial sugars. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of it is, yeah, what we're exposing ourselves to now. And we see that because male fertility churns over a lot quicker than female fertility. So we see that with uh, them. It's yeah, diet yeah. and lifestyle and that still flows straight into the woman. It's um, it's what we're exposing ourselves to on a daily basis in regards to our food we eat, the air we breathe, the body lotions we put on our skin Mm. that kind of thing so i guess it's more like a a holistic when you're sort of consulting people it's more a holistic sort of approach of like where are you inputting things in in your life that maybe you could absolutely yeah i remember when i first started out um working in fertility we just focused at hormones Mm. you know well if you can't fall pregnant it must be hormones Um, and now we we look at everything from you know what toxins are you exposed to? Do you drink out of a plastic water bottle every single day? I see you looking at my <laughs> on the desk. <laughs> um, do you burn? Have, do you have air fresheners in your house? Mm. Um, and then kind of moving on to uh, yeah. Um, how how well are you sleeping? How how often do you exercise? So it's really coming back to those basics of what sets us up for good health. Yeah, you know yeah. all this stuff. Mm. Are you implementing it all in your life? Uh, yes, I am a huge believer in moderation. Okay. Yeah, huge believer in moderation. Um, but yes, I am a bit of a toxin Nazi in our house. <laughs> <laughs> just my poor husband has adjusted very well over the last uh, however many, 10 years we've been together. Yeah. Um, I'm a big about toxins, but I do also understand moderation as well. I think it's important that we enjoy food mm. um, and we have foods that we absolutely enjoy that may, I call them soul foods. You know, they're, they're not good for you, but they're good for your soul. Yeah. Um, but it's that 80-20 rule. You know, if we do the best we can 80% of the time, then 20% of the time we're all good. And I guess it's little things, right? Because I was reading something recently about vegetable oil. And uh, how it's potentially pretty bad for us compared to olive oil or yeah natural oils, but you kind of sometimes you don't even think of this stuff. No, and and you don't know if you don't read or Mm. someone doesn't tell you. Mm. And I think yeah, so it's just about being that awareness, and that's why I kind of just like you can get so overwhelmed in what's healthy and what's not you know you just you probably have heard things and someone's saying oh yeah broccoli's good for you oh no don't eat broccoli it's bad or and you're just like well where do I go and I and I always just say to my clients you know just think about your grandparents you know if your grandparents ate it it's fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so just you know just getting back to basics a lot of the time so do people come to you when they're sort of at the point where they're really struggling with or do people get involved with naturopaths earlier in the journey to set themselves up? A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, normally it's once they've been trying for, you know, months and things aren't happening um, and they're starting to get lost and um, 
and just, you know, not sure where to move. Um, but then I also have those clients who want to talk preconception care. So, you know, how can my partner and I be as healthy as possible to, you know, set ourselves up for a healthy pregnancy, a healthy baby and mm-hmm. and really the most important kind of time is in those three months because those three months before you actually fall pregnant is when you're creating the DNA of what's going to be your child. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of research to show now those three months of preconception care and those nine months of pregnancy have an impact on that child's lifelong health. Um, so really kind of, you know, I'd love to see everyone three months before they started trying. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy to see anyone at any point, but a lot of the time it's once, yeah, things aren't happening. It's amazing this stuff isn't taught in school, isn't it? Like, I would have had no idea about this uh, until my wife sort of really has uh, got on board and sort of discovered a lot of this stuff, but yeah. it's just generally not taught to you about in health no. at all, I don't think. No, you're told how not to get pregnant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like drummed into you flat out, yeah, and yeah. then when you do start trying, you're just under the impression that, oh, of course, Anytime it's, it yeah, can happen. Yeah, it's yeah. just going to go happen like that, and then when it doesn't, you don't know where to turn, what tools, what mm. to do to actually get pregnant because you've never been taught it, and they're starting... There's starting to be um, more education, especially in the female yep. realm, um, for our teenage girls. And I think that's such a such an important shift that is happening, that we're setting our daughters and our um, girls up for to being a much more body aware than we have ever been. Um, and I, I just... I. Yeah, love that shift that's starting to happen, more involvement in, in teaching girls about their hormones rather than just teaching them how not to get pregnant. Mm. Yeah, and I think mm. uh, something that uh, my wife has taught me most of this stuff, but uh, <laughs> i got to keep mentioning it, but like especially around hormones, and I never knew this, and I don't think it's ever been covered, uh, is that I'm pretty sure blokes have the same hormone cycle in 24 hours, right? Is it something like that? And then women, it's like a, a month cycle. Of the hormones? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, so women are very cyclical, as most men out there probably know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so women are very cyclical. They work on that month hormone, and within that month there's four different stages of where certain hormones are at different levels. So emotions are different. Their mm. behaviours are different. Um and so you probably see that in all your female <laughs> partners. And, and it's, it's good to know. Like, I love that you know that, Pablo, because I think if a guy can touch into knowing where his partner is in her cycle, mm. you go from thinking your partner is potentially crazy <laughs> <laughs> to knowing how to, to manage her and approach her, where men are pretty much consistent, yeah. honestly, the whole time. They, yep. Um, testosterone's highest in the mornings for them, but really they're just kind of cruising along on one nice plateau until they probably hit, uh, you know, in their 40s. Well, don't tell me that. I'm, but, I'm a couple of years away. <laughs> oh, well, it's a slow decline. It's not as Good. quickly as women. Good. You'll be you'll be fine. Uh, well, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, what, kept, what kept you in town? What kept you in Karatha? Um, well, definitely one of the reasons we moved here was um, so we we wanted to start a family and my husband didn't want to do FIFO Mm -hmm. with a family which um thank goodness Mm -hmm. um so yeah we've we've stayed we've um you know raised raising our little family um and he's home every night which is I think just absolutely beautiful for all of us um but 
we've got really good friends. Um, we love the relaxed lifestyle. Like um, I didn't really like Perth, you know, the hustle and bustle. I had like a 40-minute commute one way to get to work. We're here, you know, you, you knock off work and you, five minutes yeah. and you're at your mate's place. Um, I think it's just that easiness of life. Now, if I'm I lucky. gave you the almighty power to change anything in Karatha, build anything oh, or build whatever anything. you want, yeah. uh, what, what, what would you do? Um, well, I love the heat, so I'm not going to... Really? Yeah, okay. I'm not going to... Uh, well, not right now because I'm <laughs> quite heavily pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So I'm not going to say anything about the weather. Probably just medical because that's mm. where I work a lot in and it can... And just also having young kids too. We do have some beautiful, wonderful doctors <clears throat> and medical um, people up here, but we just don't have enough, Yeah, you know, and that, that wait, you have to wait a few weeks to see a doctor. You, you almost have to plan your sicknesses in yeah, advance, know, right? which can be really frustrating. So I would, I would love to see some really, um, more really fantastic GPs. You know, we've got a couple, could we replicate them? Yeah. <laughs> so we all have access to them. Get um, cloning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> now, is there something uh, that maybe people don't know about you? We ask all our guests this, if you've got a secret talent uh, or something, with, you know, the everyday person, if they come in and see you, you're a naturopath, is there something behind the scenes that people oh, don't know? That don't know about me. <laughs> That's a good question. Um I, I can shear a sheep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't obviously done it for a long time. It's not a requirement of my job, but I, I have shorn a sheep in my time. Um, if ever needed, yeah. you know who to call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that is probably a little bit of a hidden talent, just that growing up on a farm being quite tomboy where now I, you know, quite clinical and, you know. Oh, that's great. Uh, so what do, what do you love most about living in Karapa? Um, yeah, definitely the lifestyle, the people and the weather, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't stand the cold. We've got beautiful winters and, you know, we're just a few minutes from the beach. Everyone is really friendly. I think often, I think because we're all here without family and Mm. support and I don't know, it's just a beautiful community feel and I just love that. It reminds me of the small little town I grew up in. Oh, nice. But we have all, you know, Kmart and cafes and all those luxuries too. So you mentioned before heavily pregnant. I guess that's on the cards. What's next for you? Yes, yep. So three weeks to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But surprisingly, I don't take very long maternity leave. I um I really enjoy what I do too much, so call me crazy. But um <laughs> I will probably be back at work within you know eight weeks post having bubs. So just um yeah, keeping working in that fertility realm, it's a it's an area that is forever changing, and the research is you know we're seeing new research all the time. So you, I really love that just that constant learning and being able to help couples achieve their dream is really um, just amazing Mm. um just such a rewarding job um and it yeah so i just want to kind of keep supporting couples and and helping them fall pregnant and um yeah just building tools and resources and webinars and things like that to educate more women and more couples on and really supporting themselves on their fertility journeys so no one feels alone no one feels um lost and confused 
Well, I appreciate the insights and mm. thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. The feel-good start to your day. This is Pablo for breakfast. It's